Welcome to Injured Reserve Podcast. This is your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. So, folks, let's just jump right into it. NCAA March Madness is underway. Uh, a lot of commotion going on already. Only two perfect brackets going on left in the world. Uh, will Duke make it all the way? I'll make my predictions there. Uh, Michigan State, Tom is a feeling pressure as well, uh, especially his recent outburst in the first round when they had a close one against Bradley. And uh, they did just come out the recent victory today against Minnesota, winning by 20. But uh, a lot of things to cover today. We got the we got the tournament. Uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, his final season underway. Miami Heat hanging on to that eight seed. A lot of people are contemplating whether he should come back for one more year. But uh, I'll tell you otherwise on why he should just keep it at that. And then, um, man, it just yeah, a lot of things going on today. Um, the, again, more LeBron James fiasco on the Lakers and uh, predictions for the offseason for that. But let's just jump right into it. First things first, um, when it comes to the whole Dwayne Wade uh, conversation, uh, he's definitely one of my top five favorite players of all time. No doubt about that. Um, I'm not I'm not having my top five all time, but uh, when it comes to, you know, looking at everything as a whole, when it comes to that monument, you know, of uh, the greatest players of all time. But he's personally my favorite up there with like um, Allen Iverson and uh, Derek Rose. So with that being said, um, you know, there's less than 10 games left on the season for the Miami Heat. And they're hanging on by that eight seed. And it, I mean, I hope they make it uh, regardless. I mean, it ain't going to look too good. Eight seed going against Milwaukee Bucks. Um Milwaukee's just uh they're a powerhouse they're currently hanging on to that one seed in the Eastern Conference and no one can stop Giannis there uh, there's no there's no one coming close to stopping that man so with that being said um I hope Miami Heat does make the playoffs even you know they'll probably get maybe they'll you know I think they'll grab one game uh if lucky maybe two out of that series just to you know to make it a humble goodbye for Wade uh it'd be suitable so, but, you know, with all this talk, you know, and Wade has been, you know, he's been hit and miss here and there. Uh, for overall for the season, you know, he's uh, he's averaging 14, four boards, four assists, you know. And that's, you know, for a man that's 37 years old, uh, 15 years in the league, that's that's damn impressive. Uh, you know, he's, we all know, of course, he's not what he once was. But with that being said... You know, just um, I think he's, you know, a lot of people saying, you know, you still look solid. You know, some nights he can get you 20, some nights he'll get you 12 or 15. But uh, what's great about Wade compared to any other any of the other players that came out of that 2003 draft class is that uh, very few compared to like a Carmelo Anthony or a Allen Iverson is that when you get to a certain point in your age, and whether basketball or NFL, um, your roles tend to switch. You know, uh, once your athleticism starts to slowly decline, and um, you know, father time starts to take a toll on your body, it's time to realize on uh, you're not that guy anymore, and accept a new role. And that's what's made Dwayne Wade more relevant. 
You know what I mean? So if anything, I would argue, make a case that he could be sixth man of the year. But personally, I think um, Derrick Rose should win sixth man of the year. Granted, he's not going to finish the season. Uh, the t- Minnesota Timberwolves recently put him on IR. He's out for the rest of the season. But nonetheless, Derrick Rose has had a phenomenal comeback season. Uh, averaging 18 points a game, shooting about 45% or 48% actually. And, you know, just um, I'm happy for Rose, you know, for someone that's been a fan of him since like high school. And then seeing him win that MVP and become the youngest MVP, uh, youngest MVP winner ever is just, it's cool to see, you know, someone, someone like a Derrick Rose that played the point and it was just this little guy, you know, it was kind of remnants of uh, a new rejuvenated AI. Uh, but uh, so someone like that, you know, that's gone through so much trials and tribulations. I do believe at the end of the day, you know, he, he will go down in, in the Hall of Fame. But he's just one of those players like um, like a Grant Hill or a Tracy McGrady type of category. It's like one of those big what ifs, you know, I mean, if he never really got hurt. So if he actually could stay healthy from for majority of his career. But uh, not to get too sidetracked, I, that's my take. I think Derrick Rose deserves sixth man of the year. But uh, Dwayne Wade, phenomenal career. Uh, he put up his recent game, he even put up 20 points. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to see. Um, you know, like I said, um, even if they do make the playoffs, that's dope. We get to see more playing time with Dwayne Wade. Uh, but they won't, unless they can somehow pull a miracle that's beyond them, like a what the Golden State Warriors did years ago, I think over a decade ago, actually, um, when Golden State was the eighth seed against the Dallas Mavericks, and I believe a, oh boy, uh, a Jason Richardson and Baron Davis, so any real Warrior fans will know that, but uh, that was that team. So, but Dwayne Wade, I, I personally, I think for him personally is that I think he's content with where he's at in life. You know, he's 37 and, um, you know, he's married, he's got kids and he's fine. You know, he's living it up in Miami. You know, he's content with where he's at in his, in his life, in his career. He can finally say kudos, you know, right off to the sunset. It was like, you know, uh, Three, three uh, championships, uh, finals MVP, 13-time All-Star. I mean, man, that's that's definitely a first ballot Hall of Fame, no doubt. So uh, kudos to him. I don't think, you know, he's not going to suddenly change and flip the switch and say, hey, I'll be back. Because, one, most players in the NBA, when, they, when it's like 37, 38, that's, you're really pushing it. And I mean, if you are, it's some players, they're going to ride the bench for the majority of the season at 38, 39. Most players do, like a Jawan Howard, when he was his end of the road, his last two, three seasons, when he played for the Miami Heat, you know, tried to grab, he, finally, he, he couldn't grab a championship. But, um, you know, he was able to get that championship the first time the Miami Heat won it all, back in like 2013 or 2012, I believe. But either way, um, I, I don't encourage it, but I'm not the one to judge, but I, I don't see Wade making a comeback for a second season either way. Uh, he's very content with where he's at in his life and his NBA career resume. 
It's just there's nothing else that he needs to prove to the game. Um, so, so yeah. So I'm very, you know, the only time it's it's rare to see players at 38 and 39 play at that type of level, whether NBA or NFL. And if it is, it's very extremely rare, like a Tom Brady. And um, he was Brady's like 40, 41. 40, he's going to be 42 this season. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens for Brady. But it's rare to see someone like a Brady at 41, you know, win a, win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Actually, he's the oldest quarterback ever to do it. So with that being said. And then so there's rare occurrences. Unless, you know, the only player that was able to be able to stay that relevant at that late of age was Michael Jordan. I mean, he was, when he came back a third time and final time with the Washington Wizards, you know, he was, he was putting up stats. He, you know, he was putting up 20 a game and it's, it's phenomenal that someone at that age at from 38 to 40, he was putting up those kind of numbers. I mean, Back in February 20, back in sometime in February, um, he he just turned 40 like a couple days after that. His birthday is in February, and he went and played against the New, New Jersey Nuts, and he lit him up for 43 points at the age of 40. So that's that's something that you'll never see again. And if you do, it won't be in our lifetime. I w- I'll be really surprised. You know, so and people could say LeBron this and that. LeBron isn't gonna make it to forty in the NBA. LeBron has two years left. You know, it's just like, yeah, he's got the numbers and he's putting up these stats, but this was one of those pivotal moments in his career where first time he legitimately got hurt and he missed a couple games. And so I think as much time and money that he puts in recovery mode in the off season, which, you know. He's going to, obviously, the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs. So he's going to have all that time in the world to recover. Go into the hyperbolic time chamber, recover, this and that. There's only so much, you know, money can't buy everything. It can't buy youth. It can buy recovery. It can buy strength. It can buy conditioning. But at the end of the day, how is your body going to, you know, operate? It can't buy your age. You know, by him, he's, uh, he's 34. He'll be 35 in December. So, I think he'll have two years left, but I think he's really striving for, I think, I really think he's striving for about three, four more years. I think he wants to, I don't see him going to the finals anymore for the rest of his career, and I think he's going to try and eclipse that milestone of passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for most points, and I think not only for that, but I think he wants to play at least one season with uh, his oldest son. And I don't know, you know, where that entails or how much hype he's getting. Um, apparently, his son is very is very athletic, but uh, I don't know a father son combo that would be that would be sweet to see. That'd be a first time since Ken Griffey Senior and Ken Griffey Junior back in the you know Seattle Mariners Mariners era back in like the late '80s, early '90s. So that would be sweet. That would be cool to see. But I don't know. It depends. You know, this next man. We'll see how his body rejuvenates and recovers. But I don't see him. The the Lakers right now, they're they're stud franchise. You know, when it comes to championships and accomplishments, this and that. But 
Magic Johnson needs to he he has a lot of work to do this offseason. And like I said before in my previous episodes, man, when it comes to the Lonzo Ball, especially the recent reports of him dropping the big baller brand and uh, you know, there's some kind of uh, I don't know, some some controversy going on there in there. I didn't really read the article. But, you know, his with his father and that's a distraction. And then, you know, it just it doesn't LeBron didn't help with being open to trade offers, this and that with Anthony Davis. And now, you know, Luke Walton, he's gonna be gone at the end of the season. So oh there's there's a lot of work to do for LA. But uh either way. Um seeing LeBron make it past thirty seven, thirty eight, I don't I don't see it. But if he does make it to that age, he will not be at that level anymore. I say he's got one more good season where he plays at that level, and then he'll start to deteriorate like Wade and and Melo and AI and all those guys. You know, they their body. You know, he like I said, he he'll be he'll be thirty five in December, and usually their bodies start to slow down around thirty six, thirty seven. So. But uh, with that being said, this is Injury Preserve Podcast, and I'll be back with you shortly. Welcome back. This is Injured Reserve Podcast. So, like I said in my opening uh, segment, I was going to talk a little bit on this offseason and the New York Knicks um, and uh, how everything is going to be very um, difficult for Magic Johnson and LeBron and the rest of the Lakers. The reason being is this, a man named Scott Perry. For those who don't know who Scott Perry is, Scott Perry is known to be one of the, how can you say, top dogs when it comes to front office executive and general management. Now, Scott Perry, let me let me uh, give you a little bit of his resume and what he's accomplished so far, and one of the reasons why you know they the Knicks made those trade those uh, trades involved involving Kristaps uh, Porzingis one of their best players basically um Steve Perry was uh part of the front office of the Detroit Pistons back in the early 2000s with that he was able to build a squad that was you know that went to six Eastern Conference finals two two of them were Eastern Conference championships and NBA championship back in 04 so he's one of the main guys that were able to grab Rasheed Wallace mid-season before the trade deadline and that's when things you know turned around and then meeting the LA Lakers who who were at the time uh you know three-peat champions going for a fourth Shaq Kobe Karl Malone Gary Payton Rick Fox uh you know all those guys uh disregard I don't think Rick Fox was on that squad at the time but I could be I'm not too sure but uh, Derek Fisher, those guys, you know, that was the roster. And then you had Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace, Tayshawn Prince, Richard Hamilton, Ben Wallace. So, 
Um, the only thing that he really has messed up on when it comes to his NBA resume and picking out the players, this and that, was he dropped the ball on that draft. Um, early in that season or before the season started, um, he could have, you know, been responsible of advising for picking, you know, a Dwayne Wade or a Camelo Anthony or a Chris Bosh. Instead, they end up picking Darko Milicic. So uh, that was probably his only blunder or significant blunder on his uh, front office resume. Other than that, he's been very successful because after his little era in Detroit, he went to the now disbanded Seattle Supersonics for a season and was part of the main reasons why they drafted Kevin Durant. Then he went back to Detroit <coughs> as as VP, did that for about four years. Then back in 2012, he goes to Orlando. While his time in Orlando, he's responsible for picking up along the likes of uh, Victor Oladipo and Aaron Gordon. And um, he was in Sacramento back in 2017. And then uh, eventually he ended up going to New York. So I believe right now, as much, you know, as much hate as the owner of the New York Knicks, as in uh, Steve Dolan, I believe, uh, uh, he, I mean, rightfully so, James Dolan, excuse me, uh, James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks, he was, um, he's not, I wouldn't say, he's, he's probably not the most loved New Yorker, and there's plenty of reasons why, um. You know, the, the Knicks have been bad for some time now. Uh, they really haven't been relevant since the late 90s. You know, during the Patrick Ewing era. And it doesn't help with when it comes to his little, you know, confrontations. Um, you know, uh, especially with former players. Uh, like a Charles Oakley back in 2017. And he had Charles Oakley, who was a former player on the Knicks. And they had him escorted. And allegedly, Charles Oakley proclaims that, you know, James Dolan is a bully, you know, with a guy with a lot of power. So who knows? I don't know that, you know, I don't know the guy personally or anything like that. But I, I, it doesn't, I don't hear good reviews. And plus, it doesn't help when I saw a video, you know, of a fan, which I didn't, I, you know, he didn't say anything, uh, blasphemous or anything he didn't say anything mean but back in uh, you know early this month he goes to a fan that's you know at the game at Madison Square Garden and Dolan's walking by one of the entrances or wherever and the fan yells at him and says sell the team and he goes what and he's like sell the team and evidently he ended up getting the guy kicked out and uh, so yeah, I don't know if he ended up getting the fan banned for life, but who knows. But when your own fans are telling you to sell the team and you can't take constructive criticism from former players or fans, you probably shouldn't be an owner. So one of two things is going to happen. Either, you know, like I said, I think, I think he's going to rejuvenate and, you know, uh, what he's doing with a Steve Perry or excuse me, Scott Perry. Um, he's, you know, it's just, they're going to get that first round, that first round fist, first pick, they'll get Zion. <clears throat> and then I, you know, and this is a 
Kyrie and Kevin Durant. But that, those are just my early predictions. But some, in my gut, everything points to New York. You know what I mean? So, New York, you know, the, the Mecca, the Madison Square Garden, the everything. So, I think, I think he's going to, tr- uh, with this hiring of Scott Perry, that's pretty pivotal and very important. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, and I think that's one of the big teams that, uh, the Lakers got to look out for because the Knicks have cap space and you know they they have the upper hand. They cleared out they they cleared out their squad midway through the season. They're like, this is what we're gonna do basically, and it was pretty evident once they got rid of uh, Persingas, who you know tore his ACL. Um, you know I think I think that's the main goal in mind for the Knicks when it comes to the mindset of Scott Perry and man I don't know it's just like I said before I hate to sound like a broken radio or record whatever the Lakers you look at the Lakers roster it's just like you know Ingram Kuzma they're solid 17-18 a game that's cool and they they really should have made the playoffs but you know injuries didn't help you know they don't really have anyone they don't have anyone valuable to trade. So I don't know if they I don't know what cap space they got. I I know they I mean LeBron signed that mega deal, so it's it can't be a lot. Uh Kemba Walker becomes a free agent, so maybe they pick him up, but I I don't know, maybe Kemba Walker wants to be his own man like a Damian Lillard. Maybe he he resigns with uh, the current team. With his current team, excuse me, but I I don't know. Um, and then uh, it's 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 gonna be interesting, uh, no doubt. This off season, a lot of work to do, and it doesn't help the Lakers. You know, like I said, Ingram Kuzma, cool, you got the big men, but you don't really have any shooters. You know, Lonzo Ball, he like I said before, he's a bust. You know. 40% from the field, 40% from, you know, the free throws. He's he's jank. He needs to go to the G League and pick something up, start practicing more, stop getting into the hype from your dad that, you know, I'm this, he's this and that, blah, blah, blah. We're going to win all these championships. It's just like, eh, 40% from the field? That ain't going to get it done, kiddo. And then, and then uh, Kawhi Leonard, who knows? I mean, I think Kawhi Leonard is looking towards L.A., perhaps. Depending on how Toronto finishes this year, uh, they're looking pretty st- straightforward. But I mean, Kawhi, he may be looking towards the LA, the LA, but not the Lakers. Clippers are solid. Clippers are making the playoffs. Lou Williams playing great. Um, so I don't know. Um, maybe Jim, Jimmy Butler. Who knows? I'd, it's uh, Paul George, but Paul George claims he loves it. Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City's sitting fine. You know, they're around fifth, sixth seed in the West. So, I don't know. We're, we'll, we'll see what happens. But for you Laker fans, it's going to be a long offseason. You, you think y'all have everything in the bag, but you really don't. You don't have any solid cards to trade. So, and that cap space is limited. Not compared to New York. So, I don't know. And plus it doesn't help the fact that, you know, as great as LeBron is, he's toxic. 
He needs to realize he needs to stop having these HBO shows of the shop and this and that saying, you know, what's going on in personal life as an NBA player. I get if you want to do that, you know, post career, that's fine. But doing it while you're playing, that doesn't help, you know, uh, you know, from the perspective of your teammates. You know, if I was a teammate and you're hearing all the, you know, these things of, you know, of possibly getting traded and, you know. Your, your main guy, the leader, the go-to guy, uh, LeBron, is saying, yeah, you know, we're open for trades, this and that. It's just, that's something you don't say out in open public. And then Magic Johnson goes and reassures, it's like, hey, it's, you know, you got to be a big boy. It's just business. Yes, you're right. But still, these are other human beings. These are other people, you know. So it doesn't, it doesn't help their, you know, mental well-being. It's one thing to be playing on the court. And giving everything you got, but if you're getting constructive criticism on where you may or may not go, and saying, "Hey, you just got to toughen up," that's that's not the type of leadership I'd be looking forward to. So, like I said, off season, we'll see what happens. You know, LeBron's gonna get well deserved time off. Uh, this will be the first time since like, God, what, 09, 08, that the finals will not consist of LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant, which is a crazy stat. But uh, with that being said, uh, I'm going to take a quick little break. And you are listening to the Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back. This is Injured Reserve Podcast. So, I elaborated before, but I didn't elaborate, I felt like, uh, more than I could have. So, I'm going to put it out there. Um, the more I keep reading into it, uh, and there's more reports of this and that. Um, for those of y'all that do know, uh, that listen, uh, I've always, you know, I'm a devoted Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And, um, like I said before, and I'll say it again, um, this, the scenario in that locker room, uh, Mike Tomlin, Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Le'Von Bell, um, Marquise Pouncey, you know, it just, the, the, the toxicity of that locker room is just so overwhelming at the, at this point that, um, you know, right, if, if I'm a GM, I'd be looking at, you know, what we have left, you know, and Ben Roethlisberger, you know, his whole career, he's always been high risk, high reward kind of guy. Um, and it hasn't been, you know, it's rare that he finishes a season not in double digits of touchdown to interception uh, ratio. Um, back was like 2014 in which... You could have made a case he could have been MVP that year. Um, he was 48 yards shy of throwing for 5,000 yards, um, which that was the most he's ever thrown in his career. Uh, 32 touchdowns, 9 picks. Um, unfortunately, they fell short that season because that was during the time that Ray Lewis announced his final season. And, you know, the Ravens balled out in the playoffs and Joe Flacco had like one of the greatest playoff runs of any quarterback ever. And, you know, we never saw that again. So that was like five years ago. And Pittsburgh fell short. Or, or excuse me, you know what? 
forgive me, that was not the same season. That was just a season where they just fell short in general to the Baltimore Ravens. That wasn't Ray Lewis's final season. That was a couple years prior. That was the se- that was the same season of New England beating uh, Seattle. So uh, forgive me on that one. But no, uh, that's where, you know, yeah, Pittsburgh definitely dropped the ball in that game. Ben was sacked five times, threw two picks, and that was that was the game. They lost by 13. But either way, not to get too sidetracked, um, you know, he's always been a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. And he threw 34 touchdowns, 16 interceptions this year. You know, that 34 touchdowns is great. But those 16 picks, that's uh, that's killer, man. Especially when we're in a rebuilding process of our defense as well. Our defense has gotten better over the past few years, but still in the process of that. You know what I mean? So, And the way Mike Tomlin handles some of those players, he's a phenomenal coach, but he needs to get more control. The problem lies is that how do you get control of a of your team that you've been there for almost what 10 seasons now so I believe you know he's gonna be on the hot seat and you know you look at this roster and it's just like how do you how do you mess up this roster so bad if you give Tom Brady this if you give Tom Brady the same roster like what they had back in like 2013 when they had a Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown uh, and I think at one point they did have Mike Wallace. It, man, I don't know how many Super Bowls they would win. Uh, and you never see Brady or Peyton Manning, um, you know, point the finger. So it's just, you know, there's too much um, your fault, your fault. It's all about me. The world is, the world is wrong, I'm right kind of type of mentality. And that's the problem. So in order to reestablish uh, a more positive uh, morale, not locker room, look, I'm looking at that roster. I'm like, Le'Veon Bell's gone. He signed with the Jets. Tony Brown went to Oakland. And now all we have is a 37-year-old quarterback, or soon to be 37. Um, you know what? It's just, you know what? It's time to cut ties. It's... And, yeah, I, it's just, man, it's time to go. I, I would just look at him. I'd be like, you can sign whatever you want. Or we'll trade you. But you're not helping any matters. You're not making things better either way. So it's like, yeah, you got two rings. That's cool. You're two and three in your Super Bowl record. That's awesome. But you also got to look at everything as a whole. Remember when I made that Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant debate? And you got to look not just at their stats, but their career as a whole and the people that they played with. That's what I'm saying about Ben Roethlisberger. So you got to see the type of talent that he's played with with majority of his career. Now, I'm not saying it's all his fault because Pittsburgh has been known to be able to draft really well. Um, you know... So, so since 2004, he was given a platform of perfection of wideouts. Heinz Ward, Plexico Burris, uh, Jay Rizma, uh, Jerome Tooman. He was, uh, you know, in the running game, Willie Parker, Jerome Bettis, uh, Richard Mendehall would have his spurts as well, to all the way to Le'Veon Bell, and now James Conner uh, closed down 1,000 yards. It's just, man... 
uh, like I said, I would cut ties. I, uh, it's just it, it. I mean, they got they got Ben coming back, and Juju and James Conner, but honestly, I think it's gonna be a long season. That AFC North just got real because Cleveland's making moves, and like I said, I don't like to jump on the hype train right away because we, you know, we guess it's it's one thing to look at something on paper and to and say that's it looks good, but you guess see how see how everything performs as well so um it's definitely I do think though I mean AFC North is gonna be it's that's definitely one of the toughest divisions so I don't know Le'Veon Bell I mean Pitt did did just fine without Le'Veon Bell so and granted he I'm not taking anything away because he's very athletic he's very versatile uh, he can be he can be your run back. He can be your wideout. He's a dual threat like that. James Conner isn't, but James Conner is still that ground and pound old school run back like a Franco Harris type kind of player. You know, he's a, he's not gonna be juking, but you know he'll get you. You know the if you need three four yards, he'll get you those three four yards. Juju, it's gonna be interesting because it's gonna be a big challenge for him. Uh, you know, as I said, Ben's high risk high reward, so. We see how that chemistry in him play out now that AB's gone, and um, you know AB took some of that pressure off. He he was getting double coverage or sometimes triple coverage, so uh, it's he's going to be the top dog. He's going to be the go-to guy for Ben, and we'll see how the rest of the wideouts uh, react. You know, uh, Pitt's got Eli Rogers and James Washington uh, coming back for that season, so we'll see how things go there. Uh, just losing Jesse James kind of hurt. Uh, he went to Detroit and he even went on record and said he's glad to be out of there. <laughs> so that's that's uh, by hearing all these things and all the drama from Jesse James and Levon Bell and Antonio Brown. As a fan, you don't. It's just like, oh, I honestly, personally, I don't even know if we're gonna make the playoffs next year. By hearing all this negative things, this and that, and then Marquise Pouncey comes out of nowhere and defends Ben, so it's just like I don't know. I, it's like a he say, she say. It's like you don't know unless you're actually there. So, but either way, I it, everyone has played a part in this whole separation. So, uh, personally, to be a hundred percent honest, though, as a fan, I don't. I'm not very confident on Pitt making the playoffs next year, and so I don't know. And like I said, I want a new quarterback. I don't know if Mason Rudolph, uh, the second-year veteran out, out of Oklahoma State, is the guy because I haven't seen him play, really, besides preseason. But um, other than that, who knows? But, man, uh, it's, it's just sickening what kind of roster Pittsburgh had, and they messed it up. And it's even in years past, though. They, they've always had a, a solid – in Ben's era, they, they were solid. But um, – to look at that roster since, you know, winning a Super Bowl in uh, 05 and then back in uh, 08 and then go to it again in <coughs> 2011, you would think that type of roster, you should go back to the Super Bowl at least two more times. I mean, man, that it's just, uh, it's... To, to think that you had a Ben Roethlisberger, a Tony Brown, a Juju Smith-Schuster, a Levon Bell, a James Conner, and then you had a real rebuilding process on the defensive end uh, as, you know, linebackers as T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree. 
it's just ugh. It's like I said, as a fan, it's gonna gonna be rough. But I I would start rebuilding now. Like we start rebuilding on the defense with Bud Dupree and TJ Watt. They've turned out solid so far, and we draft good. So we'll see how this draft goes. Uh, man, I just it's time to cut ties. I uh, trading if they traded Benz to move up in the draft, that would be I would not be mad at all. I really wouldn't. <laughs> But I don't see that happening. But um, who knows? But uh, I'm gonna ch- uh, change hands real quick. Uh, we'll go from the NFL and the recent. Uh, there's been kind of some controversy as well. Um, Michigan State won today, as I had in my opening, as I stated in my op- opening segment. They won today. Uh, one big beat Minnesota in the second round, 70 to 50. But prior to that, Michigan State was facing Bradley. First round, 15 seed against a second, uh, second seed. 28-6 Michigan State, 20-14 Bradley. Michigan State pulled it off, 76-65. But <laughs> the problem was, uh, wasn't, you know, the lackadaisical win. It was the recent outburst of Tom, Coach Tom Izzo. <clears throat> and how can I say this? A lot of people like to say this and that in this era and that era. People need to re- put it this way. As legendary as Tom Izzo is, and I mean, it's been a minute since he's won a title, right? So I think he's feeling a lot of pressure of that. He had one of his recent outbursts in the first round, for those who don't remember or may have seen it. He snapped on one of his players uh, as they're going back, as he called a timeout. And then while in the huddle, he kind he got up and into his face and the players had to, you know, pull him back a little. So when any of the players got to do that, you know, that's got to be the adulting. And I, I'm trying to think of ways because... This era and the era that I played in is totally different. But, you know, me getting yelled at, it's really no issue. I uh, <clears throat> I served in the Army for three years, and I don't, you know, <coughs> I was I was used to being yelled at when, it, you know, when it came to basic training. That's nothing new. You expect that. Um, but, you know, this ain't the services. This is college basketball. And I, I try to get a well-rounded mind. And be full circle about it, you know, if, if, if I was the coach or the player. Uh, but as a spectator, as a fan, um, you know, like I said, uh, I think Izzo's feeling a lot of pressure in that moment. That particular moment just got the best of him. Keep in mind, Michigan State hasn't won a title since 2000. Uh, they got seven Final Fours. They got nine Big Ten titles. They won it this year. Um one coach of the year back in 98 uh big 10 coach of the year 98 09 and uh 2012 but you know it's i think he's just feeling a lot of pressure because you know you see all these other coaches uh like a mike krzyzewski uh you know they, they they keep getting these titles here and there every once in a while or uh I can't remember the coach at UNC. I mean, he totally slipped my mind. But uh, either way, I think he's feeling a lot of pressure. 
because as many successful basketball seasons as he's had, uh, the past couple of years haven't been too kind. You know, because um, for the past for the past uh, three seasons, you know, back in 2016, they lost in the first round, and then the year after that, the second round, and the last year, second round. So you know, he's getting. Uh, I think he's just feeling some heat. But that does not excuse him for, you know, for his recent outbursts. And a lot of people like to say, oh, you know, kids today are soft or this and that. Blah, blah. It's not it's not like that. Things are different. And people need to understand that we evolve. We we learn. We we live and learn. People like to get caught up in this whole aspect of like, this is how my this is how my life was. This is how, you know, things were taught. Blah, blah, blah. But it's just like doesn't particularly mean it makes it right you know what i mean so it's just like in we as human beings are constantly evolving and we don't even know it whether getting older or with technology and learning new things this and that and and it's not so much you know learning new things uh when it comes to school or knowledge but also as the physical and mental well-being of us that's been uh uh, popular trend these days in which I'm I'm all for it. I'm happy that you know when it comes to things as uh, mental uh, mental health awareness I'm all for it and so I think people get caught up with this thing with this whole outburst and people are like why you know Izzo got he's yelling at the kids this and that and I get that yelling it happens sometimes but when you're we're in, when you're in the game like that and you're, you know, you're just snapping at your players in front of an audience and, you know, millions watching on TV. You can't be doing that. And it's not, it doesn't even make it right when it comes to, you know, inside the locker room or at practice either. It's okay to raise your voice a little bit, but still, you know, when it comes to games and you're, you're on that big of a scale, even if it is the first round of the March Madness, it's still the March Madness. You know, you gotta be able, you, you have to be the adult. You have to keep your emotions in check. Remember, uh, uh, you know, when emotions are high, logic is low. And, you know, uh, Coach Tom Izzo's logic was very low. Uh, so with that being said, um, the first outburst, you know, it's like, whatever. It, it Was it right? No. But then when the second, or that when he had that second outburst, when the team was in the huddle and he stood up and he got in the player's face and he, his couple of his, you know, players had to hold him back that's you know that's a that's a bad look and people are like oh kids are soft that's not that has nothing to be about being soft that's like keeping your emotions in check you're the coach you can't be mad you're the you're you're the guy you're the captain you know what i mean you're the guy that we have to follow but if you're gonna get mad and throw a fit and throw a tampa tantrum over because one you know one or two bad plays you can't you, you shouldn't be a coach so like I said, emotions are high, logic is low. And, uh, you know, as, as great as a resume as Tom Izzo has, this was, you know, way out of bounds and people just need to chill. It's like, oh, kids are soft. That ain't, that's not about being soft. It's about calming the hell down. <laughs> it's all, it's, that's all it really is about. <laughs> it's, it's two plus two equals four. That's nothing about being soft. When you see someone out in public and they snap at someone, are you going to be like, oh, you know, she or he can't be soft. No, it's like, chill out, man. You can't be getting in front of people's faces like that. Whether you're a coach, a player, or a regular person every day. I'm not, 
I'm not going to be snapping at someone because, you know, they said or did something and get up in their face. That's not the way. So every day people fail to realize that, you know, they, they like to feed off other people's energy and you can't return them that same favor. So, but with that being said, uh, that's the final segment of the day. I, um, I appreciate all of y'all listening in. I hope everyone has a great, um, Sunday and, uh, um, excuse me with, um, I'll try to be more consistent with my episodes. I, I try to do once a week, but I try to do two as well. So that being said, I hope everyone has a great Sunday. Enjoy the rest of the tournament. God bless.